From the Iola Register, I'm Tim Stauffer. And I'm Richard Lucan. And this is Registered. Today, we sit down with Dr. Brian Wolf of Community Health Center of Southeast Kansas and Register reporter Vicki Moss to talk about how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting life here in Allen County. And just a note, Brian Wolf is my stepdad and is married to my mom, Susan Lynn, the Register's editor and publisher. All right, let's get started. Uh, I guess just to start right off the bat, uh, Brian, uh, if you could just kind of share what are, what are you most concerned about right now regarding COVID-19? So as it stands, as of this moment, we do not have a case diagnosed, uh, confirmed in Allen County. All around us, we do. So uh, the concern is um, who's out there that may be infected that we don't know about. And the fact that uh, since we don't have somebody that's been infected, um, whether or not the community is, um, you know, taking all the precautions needed to uh, distance themselves from other people, to decrease the possibility of, um, you know, creating a, a real firestorm of uh, a lot of cases in Allen County. So the, the, the real concern is, are people going to be uh, responsible and separating themselves away from everybody else, and um, especially the older, older folks, uh, so they're, that they're not, they're not going to get sick, and we're going to keep the numbers down in our county. Uh, what kind of uh, appointments are you taking right now? Say if I need to see a doctor for something I don't know is, or I know isn't coronavirus, like say I sprain an ankle or fall and maybe something like that. Uh, what, what, what's the protocol for that? So we are uh, pretty much limiting uh, office calls to things that are pretty urgent. Um, if it's a blood pressure check or med check or something that's, you know, been on the schedule for a while, we're calling those people and asking them to reschedule. Uh, at the Community Health Center, we also have uh, something called VC. It's, uh, it's a way that we can, uh, you can download a program on your computer and we can do a, a teleconference from your home to us and we can see you, we can talk to you, and we can take care of some of those issues that uh, really, we don't want you in our office. We want to be able to uh, uh, keep people home and keep them away from everybody else so that they're not going to come in contact with this virus. Um, yeah, if you, if you have something urgent or emergent, a phone call is best, um, and um, we can maybe deal with it over the phone, or maybe it needs to be something that you need to go to the emergency room. And so that might be the other thing, and we can advise you with regards to that, too. So how will I know if I'm sick with the coronavirus, or if it's just allergies or a cold? Or... So we've done a fair share of testing in the office. I mean, that's all relative, meaning, you know, in the 30s kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, hundreds. Um, and so people come in, and the questions we ask, and, and we should be asking everybody, are, do you have a fever? Do you have a cough? Do you have shortness of breath? Have you been around somebody that's had it? Have you traveled somewhere? And um, those are those are the kind of the starting points. Um, the dilemma is, is a lot of people have 
asthma or COPD or some kind of underlying respiratory problems, or I mean, they have a cold or sore throat or something that is, you know, an upper respiratory tract thing that's viral that doesn't have anything to do with, you know, the, the COVID-19 virus at all. So sometimes it's confusing as to what, you know, is somebody that's sick and somebody is not. Apparently there's another variation of this bug that, and it's a small portion of people, get some GI complaints. And then we've heard mm -hmm. the stories of young people who have, um, you know, they, they get a, you know, congestion or nose, it gets, you know, runny nose or some symptoms that are not really, you know, much more than an upper respiratory tract infection, and maybe they've got the disease. So it's, it's not always clear cut. The thing we were, I think that we stress more than anything is, you know, cough, fever, and the, the key thing is maybe the shortness of breath that it accompanies this. Um, is COVID-19 more or less contagious than the flu or other viral diseases? So it is, um, it is quite a bit more infective, in fact, than uh, regular old influenza A and influenza B. Um, there are some, some standard nomenclature that's used, but it, that's you know, certain numbers, but they, they basically think that probably people who are, uh, have this are, are probably going to give that this to two or probably what, three people or four people possibly uh, that they come in contact with as, as, as opposed to somebody who has influenza A and B which is probably like one and a half people. So twice? Yeah, probably twice a bit more. Even more than that? Maybe more than that. Now, I, I kind of have a follow-up question on that. If, if you're asymptomatic, I understand you can be a carrier for this. Uh, yeah, so you may be sick. You may have the bug five days prior to even, you know, getting symptoms. So that's the tough part. That's why if you're a grandparent, you know, maybe it's not such a great idea to have the grandkids over, even if they're not sick because you don't know who they've been around. And, uh, and, and so that's the whole idea of social isolation. And with, say, other ailments, like you mentioned influenza or things of that sort, is that common or is that pretty uncommon for somebody to be a carrier yet asymptomatic? So it's not, not unrealistic to think about somebody having a cold or uh, influenza and during the early part of that may not be you know, aware of many symptoms and be shedding virus. Okay, my next question. Oh, sorry. Uh, back after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, I got an upper respiratory infection of some sort. I had the shortness of breath, uh, tight breathing. Uh, I lost a sense of smell and taste for a while. I don't know that I had a bad fever, and I really apparently wasn't very contagious because I still came into work. But is there a way to find out now that I had it three months ago? So, yeah. It's kind of scary to think about it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, and that gets down to the old, uh, the whole idea of testing. In, in the perfect world right now, we would have thousands of tests available, and we would be blank at testing everybody. And if you were positive, we'd be seeing who your contacts would be, have been. We would have been contacting them and make sure they got tested, and we'd be, you know, quarantining, quarantining people. With somebody like you, it would be useful, I suppose, if we had the ability to test everybody, because then we'd know whether was that event you had was it COVID or was it you know just an upper respiratory tract infection of some kind. 
if you somebody did have this, say, months later or whatever, and more tests do become available, or if and when they do, is it a way to say, okay, yeah, you had it, so you're immune, or sure. is there a way to, that that would yeah. still be possible so to detect? One of the ways a test would work is there's two, two possibilities when you try to detect something. One is you actually try to detect the virus, or the other is you try to detect the body's immune response to it, so we're actually looking at immunity. So if you uh, have had uh, contact with this illness and your body's responded to it, you're going to have an antibody for that specifically. Okay. And that's how we're going to look at you and say, okay, you had, you know, you had this already. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> well, I don't know if we'll ever get to that, right? <laughs> so who, t who gets tested? That's, a, that's one of the, a, a very valid question. And right now, the recommendations are... Uh, healthcare workers and first responders who had symptoms, uh, potential clusters of unknown respiratory illness with uh, long-term care facilities and healthcare facilities are priority, hospitalized patients with no alternative diagnosis, individuals over 60 who have symptoms of COVID-19 with a prior uh, given people who uh, priority given to people who reside in nursing homes, long care facilities again. Um, and then uh, people who have underlying health conditions that would be treated differently if they were infected with the COVID-19. So the, the criteria isn't we test everybody uh, because we're limited on who we can test. And, I, and if you look at societies and places that had the ability to test lots of people, then they would be able to see who was positive, like I said a little while ago, mm -hmm and find out who those contacts were, trace those down, and find out who those are positive. We're and then, and those people then all get quarantined. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the ideal. Mm -hmm. The way we're doing it now, because we have limited, we're testing sick, you know, potentially sick people, our you know, uh, healthcare workers, people like that, to find out whether they should be you know, staying home or whether they continue to work. If if you have symptoms that you think may be or may not be, what are what are some what what can you do to relieve those symptoms? Is it just typical cold and flu medis medication then at that point? So, well, what we're learning is that, um, yeah, we're you know, in addition to washing your hands, washing your hands, washing your hands, <laughs> and washing your hands. The other thing to be doing, if you, if you get the, uh, some kind of symptoms you're not sure about, is you're going to be treating the symptoms. Fever, you're going to be doing probably Tylenol. Uh, maybe stay away from the uh, uh, non-sterile anti-inflammatories like Aleve, which is naproxen, or ibuprofen. Tylenol is probably your better bet. It may be um, something that would be more, uh, more effective and create less problems for you. Um, there are some over-the-counter, you know, uh, medications for cough that are marginally effective, Mucinex, those kind of things, um, and uh, plenty of fluids. Uh, people get dehydrated. Uh, that's what we're hearing. Um, if you're, uh, if you have an inhaler, let's say you're an asthmatic and you have an inhaler, then that's that's probably uh, obviously the other thing because you may be wheezing. Now, the 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 thing that we're we're suggesting that not be used in this illness is things like steroids or prednisone. Hmm. And many people who have chronic obstructive pulmonary disease may have those medications and they may be taking those. And why is that a problem? Well, it, it's a, it, because those medications also suppress the immune system. And this hmm. particular disease, we don't want the immune system to be suppressed. So that's a plus minus, you know, whether you're going to benefit from the steroids. Um, 
the inhalers that have steroids in them may be uh, necessary. Uh, but uh, so so those are but but basically over the counter medications that you know you're going to treat a common cold with uh, probably are, are the thing you're going to be doing. Now is there is there a point in that to where the threshold, if you will, to say okay, I'm taking these things. It's still persisting. Now's the time to call my healthcare provider or the hospital or what? Yeah. So the the dilemma is respiratory distress. What's that mean? Shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, wheezing. Um, and that sometimes is a tough one to know exactly, you know, when do you call? Um, so, it, and I guess if in doubt, you know, give a call, find out. Uh, if there's an underlying, the other thing is that the people that get into real trouble are individuals who have uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, emphysema, asthma, diabetics, people who have cardiac disease. Those are the people that are at higher risk for ending up in the hospital and getting really sick. Okay. So this next question, I feel like you've kind of already answered, but how often should we really be washing our hands? Like, why is that so important? <laughs> <laughs> so you go, you, you make a run out because you need gasoline and you touch the handle on the gas pump. You open the door to the store you go into. You've touched the handle of the cart you pushed around. Um, so anytime you come in contact with things like that and you decide to touch your face or something, you know, you're going to in ingest, you may be ingesting this virus. Uh, an analogy that is a little bit crude but still effective, and that is we tell individuals, uh, especially young adolescents who are sexually active, that... Um, when you have intercourse or sex with somebody, you're basically having sex with everybody that person's had sex with because <laughs> the accumulation of, of diseases, you know, bacteria, whatever you might say. So the other analogy here is, is that everybody you come in contact now, you may be um, experiencing everybody that they've come in contact with too. Yeah. So if they've got the bug from somebody, you, you may, you know, get it from them too. So. You make the assumption when you touch anything that you may be coming in contact with somebody that's had this. So wash your hands, wash your hands. I wash my hands when I enter the room to see a patient. I wash my hands after I touch that patient. And I may even wash my hands when I leave the room. And I may put goop on my hands when I'm in the hallway. So that's, that's you know, that may be a little exaggerated, but not much. So it's like at home, you're probably, you know, you're by yourself, you're safe there, but if you're going out, you know, uh, have wipes, have something in your car, wash your hands, soap does, and water. Does soap work just as well it as is. hand sanitizer? Soap, soap is very effective in, in dealing with this particular virus. <laughs>
an uptick in depression and you know and people feeling like they've got a lot of other issues that are coming their way just because they've been alone in their home for three four weeks yeah loneliness is terrible and um, so it does affect us it causes depression anxiety all that mental health people are very concerned about that Southeast Kansas mental health they uh, you know they have their hotline is you know there for people who are you know having some problems this is one of these times whether it's your uh, friends or family or a church or whatever your community you're part of needs to stay in touch. Whether it is figuring out how to use Zoom on your computer and, and have, you know, people from, you know, we've had a, a family Zoom with uh, uh, three different families. One was in uh, Vermont and one was in Missouri and one was in Iola and we played games over the computer and it was a way of just making connection and so be creative and 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 if you have you know if you have that older elderly neighbor who's next door pick up the phone call them you know just make them feel like you know hey somebody's paying attention to you and and concerned about you because that this is this that's a that's a, that's one of the most important things I think that that is kind of like a soft science thing it's not like you know you get the your you know, test done or this or that but being connected is is, is going to really uh, if, if this goes on for you know weeks and weeks it's going to be a huge piece of um, uh, health. Um. Like we mentioned earlier, so far that we know, there are no confirmed cases in Allen County. Just a few days ago, we heard of a nursing home up in Burlington that had several uh, positive COVID-19 cases. Uh, are, would, are, would any of those residents or patients be transferred to Allen County, or is there a protocol for that, or are we equipped to handle from other counties, or is that something they're trying to avoid? Uh, you know, I don't know. I do know that we haven't received any patients. Um, the, the information I've had is just secondhand, so I'm not, I don't have you know, direct knowledge other than the fact that there are positive cases in the nursing home and staff members have also been uh, affected by it as well. Um, but we have not, uh, not had any, any patients transferred her here from anywhere else, and we've not uh, had any admissions at this time to Allen County. And then now nursing homes are kind of just uh, just by their structure somewhat quarantined as well, where if somebody gets sick there, what's the, is there a way for them to protect the residents who live there, or do they just have to completely quarantine yeah, them to so, their rooms? So uh, currently uh, the nursing facilities in this community are not allowing visitors, family. Uh, the only people who are going in and out are staff. Uh, in fact, we as a we physicians are actually doing some of our stuff with telemedicine and uh, phone calls as opposed to going into the facilities as well. Um, and they are, yeah, they, if they had an ill resident, then those people are going to be quarantined within the facility. They'll be isolated in their, their individual rooms. Those people will be uh, cared by, uh, cared to for by people who will be appropriately uh, protected uh, by using the proper, you know, uh, uh, garments and masks and everything as well. Um, and it is a big concern, obviously, because those individuals are at uh, very high risk for developing, you know, serious complications uh, uh, because of their underlying 
conditions they most of them will have and their age. Now, does getting a pneumonia shot prevent or help mitigate COVID-19? So, um, the pneumonia shots are indicated for everyone um, over age 65, the, new, the Pneumovax and the Prevnar, and, uh, or for individuals who have had you know, respiratory problems, asthma, uh, uh, diabetes at a younger age. And just because you get uh, a viral pneumonia or viral infection doesn't mean you, can have, you can't have a superimposed bacterial infection like pneumococcus uh, or a pneumonia, uh, bacterial pneumonia. So the best thing to do is to make sure all your immunizations are up to date, including your pneumonia shot, especially if you're you know, age 65 or over. And that would use one less thing we have to worry about, you getting a secondary bacterial infection and pneumonia. Um, and not to keep going back and harping on the no confirmed cases in Allen County, but there are none. Did, what, could that possibly lead to complacency here? Are more people saying, you know what, I'm just not seeing it, and going back out trying to reestablish a daily routine? Yeah, my big concern is is that in rural America, we, we may have this idea that we're, we have space between each other, and that, that's why we're mm. not seeing the cases. Um, I'm guessing if you take per capita number of cases in Cobby County versus wherever, you're going to find that that's, we're really high there because so few people in the county. So we, yeah, we have no, we, we cannot be complacent. Um, it's just, it's not a matter of uh, whether or not we have an, uh, people getting sick here. It's just a matter of when we get sick. And it's a matter of are we going to wait till somebody shows up here sick and then decide, well, gee, maybe we ought to, you know, be more careful, or do we start practicing that care now, so we are going to be making sure that our friends and families are uh, are going to be safe uh, and not get sick. Uh, and if and when that does happen in Allingham, will that change anything for you or at CHC or at the hospital, or will that change any of your guys' uh, practices? Uh, I, it won't change any of our policy or practices. Obviously, it's going to change the hours we work and the intensity that, at which we work. Um, this is a, a huge stressor for anybody, whether you're uh, an EMT, or you are in the emergency room, or if you're a nurse in the hospital. Um, I mean, thinking about you know what what the implications are is uh, about how are we going to take care of everybody, and how are we going to take care of ourselves. And there's concern about are we going to bring this bug back to our families? Um, so you know, if if people isolate, they'll, they'll they really will help the medical community uh, be able to deal with those cases that we, we have and have the resources to deal with those cases. Okay. So I'm sure because there are so many unknowns out there, people have a lot of questions. Um, what are some of the more unusual questions that you've heard? Like what are some of the things that people want to know about this that we haven't already covered? Well, I think there's always assortment of quack Question, you know, things that are out there, people saying, you know, I tried this, does this work, and all that. Um, and so, you know, like the, the, the places to get good information would be like the CDC, uh, Center for Disease Control, 
The other one in Kansas is Kansas Department of Health and Environment. That's, they're, they're our, they are our main go-to source, really. Um, they are sending out things to physicians, um, you know, all the time. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff on the internet, obviously. Um, things that um, are um, probably not real accurate. And the other problem is, is that things are changing, you know, day to day. That's like best practices may be different today than they, they were yesterday. And, and uh, so um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a challenge to, uh, as a person out there, to discern, you know, what, what's real and not. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like news sources. People listen, you know, uh, to, they, they should be listening to, you know, newspapers, you guys, and uh, listening to the health department. And uh, those, are, those are the reliable sources. Well, thanks, Brian. I sure. appreciate your time. Well, if we can get the word out, you know, wash, wash your hands, and, 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 and if you're, you know, elderly uh, or have some, you know, debilitating condition, don't get out. Find a way to get somebody to bring you stuff and stay away from uh, sick people. Well, the caveat is we don't know who's sick and who isn't, so social distancing. If you don't have to be out, don't be out. We'll see you next time. Registered is produced by the Iowa Register. For more episodes, subscribe to Registered wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Registered or find us online at iolaregister.com slash registered. To support our work, please consider subscribing to the Register. You can find out more at iolaregister.com slash subscribe. And thank you.